0: So the question is it can it survive? Of course it can survive. I think what most people are really wondering, Cassie, is how does it
1: survive?
0: And can it ever be the same again? Those are the real questions. Welcome to Marriage Mavericks, I'm Josh.
1: And I'm Cassie. In this show, we give you practical strategies and real stories to help you fall back in love, rebuild trust, and rekindle the sex and intimacy in your relationship even if divorce feels inevitable.
0: Whether you listen together or separately, our goal is to provide you the tools to heal your marriage from the inside out. All this information is 100% free, so please share and enjoy. Marriage Mavericks, can a marriage survive infidelity? We get this question all the time, and it's no wonder. Studies put the rate of affairs between 20 to 40%, depending on what you're looking at. And with our clients who are coming through, 58% of them, there's an affair going on in their marriage when they come thus. So if there's infidelity in your marriage and you're looking for a way to move forward, this episode is for you. So Cassie, I want to define infidelity first. What exactly counts as cheating in a marriage?
1: It's breaking an agreement that the two of you have made together in your marriage.
0: I think that's really important. This is actually one reason those studies have such a wide gap is because everybody's defining infidelity a little different. And I think what you said about agreements is the key because infidelity might like totally different depending on the marriage. So for one marriage, going out and having dinner with an ex might count as infidelity. For you have a couple who's in an open relationship, maybe the sex itself is fine, but not telling your spouse or not using protection or whatever counts as infidelity. And the range can go even wider than that. Do we need to define what we mean by a relationship agreement?
1: You can get into that a little bit, I think might be helpful. So an agreement is something that the two of us decide together. It's not an assumption. It's not something that We're going into the marriage already believing is going to be taking place. It's something that me and you have sat down and decided is really the rules that we're going to follow. We intentionally decided that together. So for instance, in, I'll use our relationship, it would not be infidelity for you or I to talk to Someone who's an ex, like we're both okay with us having friendships with exes in our life. On the flip side, for someone else, that might be cheating. Like you said, it's really what the two of you have defined as being the rules in your relationship. And then an infidelity is when you break those things that the two of you have set up together that you committed to doing.
0: So let's talk about why people cheat. I think that we need to know that in order to understand if a marriage can survive. Now, I actually did some research into the current studies around this preparing for this episode, but I'm just curious. I was just spitballing this to you. And I was saying, Cassie, off the cuff, what you know from working with clients, what we teach, why do people cheat? What would you say?
1: I think often it is trying to, if I was just not like looking at any of your notes and I was just If you ask me this personally, I would say that cheating is a filler for a need. That is what cheating is. It is trying to find a replacement for something that you don't have.
0: So that is exactly right. And there's actually a recent study that gives some input on this. So there was a study of 495 people who admitted to cheating and they were asked, why did you do it? And we're going to break down the specific reasons, but there is, and this probably won't surprise you, gender differences. So mm-hmm. with men, it tends to come down to, I feel sexually unsatisfied. I'm taking that rejection personally. I'm seeking to get that met elsewhere. It actually has as much to do with my self-esteem as it does with sexual needs. Women are usually trying to fill an emotional void and feel desired and cherished versus unappreciated or ignored, but it is sex for them plenty of times, too. Does that surprise you at all? No. Okay. So there are eight key reasons that they found that people cheat. And I want to talk about them a little bit and get your input. I think all these are actually pretty valid and in line with what we see. Mm -hmm. So number one, anger or revenge?
1: Yes, we see that quite often. It's, we are having difficulties. We're having struggles. I don't like how things are going. And out of trying to hurt you or me being hurt and now wanting to hurt you, I take those actions.
0: So that's the first reason. Second reason, self-esteem. So not feeling wanted, desired, and sexy. I will say, if I was organizing this, I wanted to put this out the way the study did it. If I was organizing this, I would group some of these together. Mm -hmm. But self-esteem, not feeling wanted, desired, sexy, that's number two. Number three, lack of romantic love. Obvious reasons. Yeah. Right. Number four, I thought this was interesting. Low commitment. So this means I'm worried that this marriage isn't going to last. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to cheat. And often for women, part of that is it's a transitional partner. Mm -hmm. It's I don't think this marriage is going to work. And this is my first step out the door into something else. Need for variety. I'm not getting enough excitement. I'm wanting different activities than we do sexually. And I'm either not asking you or I'm asking you and you're not doing it. Number five, number six, neglect. Like I said, I would have grouped some of these together. Mm -hmm. Okay. Number seven, sexual desire, not getting enough, or again, not enough variety. And number eight, situation or circumstances. So this is, I was drunk. I was overwhelmed. I was not thinking clearly. I would personally suspect that most of this still involves some aspect of the other seven. Most of us that were happy and healthy in a marriage don't just go out get overwhelmed, not think clearly, and accidentally have sex with someone.
1: Yes. I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm thinking of conversations I've had with clients where there's been an infidelity and it's... I'll, I'll give an example. My, my wife's father passed away and she was really upset and overwhelmed and she ended up sleeping with her high school sweetheart. When you dug a little bit under that, he wasn't there when her father died. He wasn't supporting her, so she was feeling neglected and not taken care of. Or I got drunk and I ended up having having sex with somebody. What it really was is I got drunk because I was trying to fill my woes of not feeling desired, feeling rejected, and then I got drunk and had those actions. Those circumstances don't just happen.
0: If I'm looking at this also, I would groups of this together. So anger and revenge, sure. Lack of romantic love, neglect, self-esteem, pretty closely tied. Need for variety, sexual desire, self-esteem, pretty closely tied. I really feel like you're talking about three to four main reasons here Mm -hmm. that people wind up cheating. Now, is there anything that you see frequently that's not on that list? I feel like that's pretty broad and comprehensive. Yeah. Okay, so are you ready for The most obvious study finding ever? Sure. Okay. Even though most cheating involves sex, it's rarely just about sex. Most participants felt some form of emotional attachment to their affair partner. And equally obvious, I think, those who reported feeling less connected to their primary partner experienced greater emotional intimacy in the affair. So if you and I are already feeling romantically separate, I'm going to find greater emotional intimacy in the affair. Shocking, I know.
1: Yeah, I'm blown away. No.
0: <laughs> but I do think this is maybe slightly less obvious. Hmm. So the reason for the infidelity, what we picked here out of those areas, it greatly impacted the length, the level of sexual satisfaction, and how deep the relationship went. Those who cheated because of anger or lack of love or neglect or need for variety, they had a longer, more satisfying deeper affair, whereas those who are motivated by the situation ended it earlier, had more regret, didn't tend to go as far. I think that's pretty interesting, actually. Hmm. Because I talk to a lot of people who are like, the circumstances just lined up where they fell with this person. Well, in those rare cases, it is mostly situational. Those don't tend to go very far. If your spouse is there and they're building something deep and new with someone else, it probably comes down to them not getting the love and connection and the variety and the sex or any of those combinations of those things in this marriage. But isn't it interesting that all of those problems, except for situation, are a failing in your primary relationship? And even that one thing, that situation, I would argue, is probably usually underpinned by one of the other seven.
1: Absolutely. I think it's very interesting that this points in that direction because most of the time, the reason why, going back to what my answer was, people are cheating It's about them trying to fill something. And so it comes down to this, if my marriage was good, I wouldn't need these other things.
0: To put it another way, if the failings within your primary relationship, then it's within your power to make a change. I think a lot of times people feel powerless in an affair, but you're not because if the problem is they're unhappy here, you can do something about that. And when we're talking about the reasons for an affair, I do just want to specify, I'm not bringing that up as an excuse, because I personally believe that there's never an excuse for infidelity.
1: Yeah, I'm very strongly against it. It's not an excuse, but we wouldn't be doing the subject justice if we weren't discussing the reasons why.
0: I don't think we'd be doing it justice, because the reasons why open the door into the topic of this episode, which is if a marriage can survive infidelity, and also opens a door into how. So I want to talk about that. And let's start with the question that so many people I talk to have, and they bring, and I'm sure it's the same for you, Mm -hmm. uh, is can marriage survive infidelity? What would you say to that? Absolutely. I would say, of course it can. (laughs) And I think actually most people realize that it can. So the numbers vary wildly on this. The research isn't super great or consistent, but stats on the number of marriages that survive infidelity range from 20 to 60%. Whatever side of that you're on, it's a pretty decent number. You're not talking about some minuscule number of people who somehow overcome an affair. You're talking about at least one in five. To over half. Mm -hmm. And if you're listening to this podcast, I'm willing to bet you know plenty of people who have had infidelity in their marriage and yet they are still married. I don't think when most people are coming, they're really wondering if it can survive. Of course it's possible. And I can tell you our success rate with our clients is 93%. In spite of the fact, 58% of our clients are having an active affair in their marriage. So the question isn't, can it survive? Of course it can survive. I think what most people are really wondering, Cassie, is how does it survive? And can it ever be the same again? Mm. Those are the real questions. And I wanted to start with talking about common mistakes to avoid. So what are some of the mistakes that you think people make very commonly in a situation that they should avoid?
1: Many times early on, When an affair happens, people – because this is – let's be fair. This is an emotional topic. This is an emotional thing. You find out your spouse cheats on you. That's shocking. It's overwhelming. And a lot of times in those moments, people make really drastic decisions. They break up. They have their own affair. They they go and do other things, and that causes more challenges down the road.
0: So not doing anything rash – Or to put it another way, doing something rash, very common mistake, having an avenge affair, breaking up, telling the kids you're getting divorced. There could be a hundred things going and putting it all on black in Vegas, whatever. (sighs) If you're the partner that had the infidelity, a common mistake that you can make is not fully disclosing the details of the affair. So a lot of times people come forward and they'll try to hold something back or dole the truth out in small doses to try and make that news break easier but the problem is if you're doing that the way that your spouse sees it is you're they're they're catching you in one lie which is you initially coming forward and then they're catching you in more lies because you didn't come forward completely the first time
1: it turns into that feeling of what's the next thing what's next versus you did this thing, you're coming to me, you are trying to make amends. It's now, what's the other shoe that's gonna drop here? And if I can't trust you about this and I can't trust you about that, and every time you come to me, there's broken trust, it's gonna be really hard for me to come back from that.
0: So doling the truth out like that, common mistake, minimizing or justifying, wasn't that serious? Here's why I did it. I didn't love him though. None of that feels good. So you need to bring the truth out. You need to fully disclose. But at the same time, there's also such a thing as oversharing.
1: Absolutely. So while you want to come to your spouse and say, look, I had an affair. I cheated on you X, Y, and Z. You don't necessarily want to go into every detail of that meetup that you did in that hotel room with your coworker your Your spouse doesn't need to know how hot and heavy it was, and the fact that you like lifted her up and put her on top of the table or that he grabbed your hair and, and rolled you over like they don't need to know any of that stuff. If you're the partner who was cheated on those details are painful and honestly unnecessary
0: and the counterpoint to this oversharing if you're the partner who had the infidelity, if you're the partner who was cheated on, asking for too many details. Yes, you need to know that they cheated. You might need to know with who. You probably want to know how long it was going on for. You may even need an idea of what kind of sexual activities were involved so you can make sure that you're safe from an STI end or something like that. But past that, you're really just torturing yourself for no reason. And on that note, another mistake that I see people make a lot is using radical transparency as a solution to dealing with infidelity. And what I mean by this is a natural reaction for a lot of people when their spouse has an affair is now I want to know everything. I want full access to your phone. I want to read all your texts. I want to see all your pictures. I want to know every appointment on your calendar, where you're going, who you're going with, so on and so forth and so on. And that's a crutch. It's not a solution. Now, it's a crutch that can be appropriate for a season. I think you'd agree with that.
1: Yes, I think especially like at the point where you first come forward and say, hey, this thing happened, that... There may be some precautions and things that need to happen in the short term, but that isn't the way that a married couple can live forever. Is this anytime I'm doing everything, I've got to check every little aspect of what you're doing and I've got to make sure that I'm outlining every detail, every moment, just just it puts so much pressure on a marriage and a relationship.
0: Well, it doesn't fix the root issues. Whatever it was that brought you to this point, the lack of love, the neglect, the need for variety, the anger, this doesn't actually fix any of those issues. And you'll always know, if you're the partner who's doing this, it won't really prevent an affair. Your spouse can always hide something if they try hard enough. And because mm-hmm. you always know that at the back of your mind, it won't really prevent The anxiety, either. So, while it's a crutch that may be appropriate for a season, it is certainly not a solution. Hey, Marriage Mavericks, real quick if your marriage is struggling and you want to turn things around and get the love and the passion back into your marriage, we would love to talk with you. So, if you would like to hear more about that, go to MarriageMavericks.com and apply to talk with one of our team, and we can see if we can help you get there. Next common mistake I'll let you talk about this, but thinking that space or time apart. Taking a break, whether that's in your home or separating, whatever will fix things without actively working to fix those root problems that we talked about.
1: So this is what I tell my clients all the time when we're talking to our clients is, can some space serve a relationship? Absolutely. But space without working on the relationship is just space. It it doesn't actually... Help in fixing the challenges that you're having, and in fact, can make those things worse. If there was an affair, and I'm having a hard time trusting you, or you're angry at me, whatever. That space apart, when we're not actually working on solving the root issues, can just leave me in a spot where I'm spiraling in my hurt and anger, where we're now not getting the needs met. Going back to that whole conversation, if I want to be treated with like respect and given time and energy. If we're taking space, I'm not getting that. If you needed affection and physical touch, that space is just making more of the same challenges. So while I will say sometimes taking a little space from your, your spouse, like if we're arguing, stepping off and taking some space can serve a relationship. Just taking distance without having any other follow-up action Just makes things worse.
0: And that brings us to, I think, the last common mistake, which is trying to work through an affair on your own. (sighs) An affair is one of the most devastating things that can happen to your marriage. So I said earlier that between 20 to 60% of marriages survive an affair, which I think is way more than most people are thinking. That's amazing. Between 20 to 60% of marriages can survive an affair if you handle it right. Looking at that the other way, between 80 to 40% of marriages don't survive Mm -hmm. an affair. So if you're in a spot where you're in that place, this is one of the most hazardous things you can face. Your marriage is on the line. Your family is on the line. And if you are trying to sort that out on your own, you are really playing Russian roulette with your marriage and your entire future. And the only question that we're asking is, how many cylinders are loaded? Is it one cylinder? Is it half the cylinders? I don't know. The numbers aren't super clear, but what's super clear is this is one of the most dangerous things that you can be going through on your own. And if you mess it up, you're going to be in a spot where you are losing your family and your kids and your future, and it's just not necessary. So do not go through this kind of situation on your own if you're there. Anything else you want to talk about on that?
1: No, just folks, this is like surgery. And and I I just want to put it put it this way. There are certain things in life that you have a limited amount of time to turn around and fix. And it takes a lot of skill and a lot of work to correct. And if you're having a heart attack, you're not going to be like, hey, I'm going to try to fix this on my own. And, And this is one of those places where you do not have the time, you do not have the flexibility to hope that you're able to fix it on your own. Infidelity is just such a traumatic and harmful thing in a marriage. And without the proper guidance and without a plan, it's just devastating for all parties. It's unhealthy for the person who cheated. It's horrible for the person who was cheated on. It's just outright, it's so damaging to your family. And yeah, I just, I feel like this is one area that a lot of folks are like, you know, we can move past this thing and we can get past it and you can, but it is not something you should go alone.
0: If those are the mistakes you should avoid, then how do you heal a marriage where there's been infidelity? How do you turn that around to make it survive? This might be much simpler than people think. I feel like this is one of those things that is simple, but not easy. First off, you both have to be honest and take responsibility. You may be saying, Josh, both of us have to be honest and take responsibility. Yes, both of you have to be honest and take responsibility. So the partner who cheated has to be honest about the affair itself and take responsibility for that. But they also have to take responsibility for the hurt and the problems that are going to come from that infidelity and now have to be worked through. So you have to be willing to give some grace when your spouse does want to read your text messages or is wondering where you are or is crying in the corner tonight. The partner who was cheated on needs to choose to forgive and take responsibility for that. And I don't think most people understand this idea of that forgiveness is a choice that you then have to take responsibility for.
1: I don't think that most people get that because we don't talk about that. That isn't something that societally we discuss. We talk about forgiveness in this idea of feeling that I feel like I forgive you. And forgiveness is a feeling that comes after a choice, which the choice is, I'm going to forgive you and I'm going to give you the opportunity to show that we can do something different. That's what forgiveness really is. It's giving that opportunity that we can have a different outcome, that we can move forward, and choosing to allow that space for that to happen.
0: And when I'm talking about responsibility, what I mean by that is if you are choosing to stay with your spouse and you are choosing to forgive, you don't then get to hold this over their head forever. You just, you don't get to. You had the opportunity to leave. And if you are choosing not to do that and you are choosing to forgive, then you are now in a way putting yourself in this position. And you have to accept the responsibility that comes with that because otherwise people wind up in this spot where they just spend the rest of their marriage going, yeah, this is your fault. You did this to me. You did that. They did. And you stayed. And that's awesome. And that says a lot about you and how much you care, but you have to take responsibility for that. And then both of you have to take responsibility for the root problems in the marriage and how you contributed. Because even if you were the person who was cheated on, you got here because of those problems that we outlined earlier lack of intimacy, anger, uh, revenge, people not getting their needs met, neglect, not feeling loved, and you contributed. To that, So this may be hard to hear, but you contributed to this affair. But here's what's cool. Any place that you have responsibility for, you have the power to change. And lastly, the other thing that you might need to take responsibility for is what if your spouse isn't in a place of honesty and responsibility yet? Then the only way that you can heal the marriage at that point is going to be to walk through this yourself. It's to be honest with yourself about how you got here. It's to be honest with yourself of what you two did and what you didn't do to wind up in this place and to take the lead and to work on the marriage until you can get to a spot where your spouse is now willing to step up and own their peace. And you can choose to do that or you can choose to quit. If you're in that place, as hard as it is, those are the choices you have. You can take the responsibility and you can work on getting back to that place where your spouse is willing to own their side of the street and start to build a better marriage, or you can give up.
1: But ultimately at the end of all of this, it's your choice. You have to make that intentional decision of what you're doing and stick with it.
0: After you're both honest and you take responsibility, you have to fix those root problems and you have to build a new marriage. It's that simple. This happened because there were certain problems that were happening. We just outlined what those things are. And if you don't want this to happen again, and if you want a better marriage, then you have to fix those problems. And I talk about building a new marriage because if you want to be in a place where this doesn't happen again, if you want to be in a place where trust is back and you're happy and you're healthy, you have to build something that's even better than you had before. You have to build a marriage that has trust and has the variety and has the love and has the communication so people aren't angry you have to do all that and once you have fixed those problems the last step to healing after infidelity is rebuilding trust and there's a specific formula on trust that we teach to our clients do you want to share that with people
1: yeah so the trust formula that we teach our clients is this trust equals opportunity the opportunity to make mistakes, the opportunity to do wrong, plus consistency, plus time. So what this looks like is you get those opportunities and you do the right thing. And it's plus consistency, which is every time I'm giving those opportunities, I consistently keep doing what I'm supposed to be doing and building more trust. And then plus time, because it is gonna take time of seeing that consistency when you're getting those opportunities. That's what rebuilds trust.
0: And to put this another way, if you want trust back, you have to be in the spot where let's say your spouse cheated on you, where you give them the opportunity to fuck up again and they don't. And then they continue not to fuck up and they continue not to make the same mistakes. That is the only way that trust comes back. Opportunity to mess up again, plus them consistently doing the right thing, plus that happening over time. And that's it really, folks. Those are the three steps to fixing a marriage after infidelity, being honest and taking responsibility, both of you fixing the root problems to build a new marriage and that trust formula. It's simple, but it's not easy. And I think that brings us to the question that I said earlier, not can a marriage survive infidelity, but can a marriage ever be the same? Because I think so many people think, you know, you're going to be staying with someone who doesn't love or respect you, which by the way is flat out contradicted by the research. An affair has nothing to do with your spouse not loving you, but you'll be staying with someone who doesn't love or doesn't respect you, or you can stay married, but it'll never be the same or never be anything close to what it was before. You'll always be settling for less than you deserve, or it's guaranteed to happen again, or you'll always be anxious and you'll always be looking over your shoulder. So many people feel that way. And if you are in a spot where you have an infidelity in your marriage, you may be feeling this way as well. And I just, I want to tell you that none of this is true. As we saw earlier, while it's, it's not excusable, never excusable, there are simple, understandable reasons that people cheat. When you remove those reasons, you heal your marriage. And one thing that gets me, Cassie, is the way that we treat affairs differently than any other breach of trust in a marriage. I look back over our marriage and I think of things like, when I had to destroy your teddy bear, or when I took all the money out of the bank account because we were- Fighting over money. Fighting over money. A hundred different things, some of which I honestly don't want to get into on this podcast. And I think about that, and I think about all the things that People look at it in a marriage and they go, you can forgive that, you can forget that, you can get over that. But for some reason, people treat infidelity and they think about infidelity and feel about infidelity and the possibility of getting over that very differently. Like, why do you think that is?
1: Honestly, from a a coaching standpoint, it's an emotional thing, right? If you don't mind, I'm gonna use the teddy bear as an example. We can justify in ourselves very easily putting just in front of certain things that don't invoke as much emotional feeling to us. Folks listening to this might be like, Josh just tore up a teddy bear in an argument that just happened. But like, that wasn't a just, like that was a big deal, but we, we have the ability to do that with certain things. And when we start talking about affair, it becomes an emotional thing because we make it more about us than the situation. That teddy bear doesn't define my worth. That teddy bear doesn't define your love for me. And we make a infidelity mean that our spouse doesn't love us, that we're not good enough. And we assign all this emotional meaning to it in a different way. And I think there's a lot of societal reasons why we make it that way. And. There
0: are probably a lot of people listening things going, it's just a teddy bear. And I understand that's an example I just pulled out. But please understand, there's plenty of other examples in our own marriage where things were taken or stuff was held over people's heads or all kinds of horrible things that I could go into. And again, in lots of other people's marriages, we see all these horrible things, heartbreaking breaches of trust that happen that people forgive. And what I want you to understand is that as awful as an affair is and as awful as it feels and as big of a breach of trust as it is, because don't take it wrong, that is a enormous Mm
1: -hmm.
0: breach of trust. It is just a breach of trust at the end of the day. And broken trust can be repaired and it can be something that you put behind you permanently. When we look back at those things that happened, some of the things that I summed up, does it ever cross your mind anymore that those things are going to repeat? Are those things that you're constantly looking over your shoulder for?
1: No, not at all.
0: Me either, because we've grown and there has been opportunity to repeat those actions. There's been time and there has been consistency and things have changed. And I just want to end with this. Can a marriage survive infidelity? Of course it can. The stats say so. The people you know of have had an affair and are still married are proof of that. And we've seen it in our own work over and over again. Yes, a marriage absolutely can survive infidelity. Can it ever be the same? No, it can't ever be the same in the fact that you will never forget it. That is true. You will never forget that thing happened. But you can get to a place, certainly, where you have moved past it, where you're no longer anxious about it, where it isn't happening again and you don't expect it to happen again. And to survive, you will have to build a new marriage that is even better than before. You will have to build a new marriage where people feel longed for and desired and sexy, where it has that romantic love, where you know the marriage is secure, where people feel taken care of and supported and they're getting their sexual needs met You notice that was everything we talked about earlier and that is the gift and that is the opportunity in this place that is awful because while this may feel like the worst thing that your marriage has ever gone through, if you are committed and if you use this as an opportunity and if you have the right help, you will come out the other side of this even better and even stronger and even more in love than before.